This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. 1 Timothy. <clears throat> Any questions on anything we've said over the last several weeks? Concerning like all the, the nine marks, for example? Okay, this is actually, we're getting, actually getting back to where we started, uh, months ago. I don't, I don't know what the date was, uh, might have even been before the first of the year, but, uh, um, <clears throat> I may have a few questions in here. Does anybody remember, I, I gave you one verse as a summation of this epistle here. Key verse, like, just like we had in Luke. Um, we had one verse here that kind of sums up why Paul wrote. Anybody remember what that is? <laughs> sure. Open book. <laughs> oh. First Timothy what? Three. 3.15. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Well, let's start there, because because again, this is where he's kind of he's, he's telling the reason for his writing this epistle. And this, remember, is a, a a letter or an epistle from the apostle Paul to Timothy, who who he calls in chapter one his true son in in faith. Um, verse fifteen, chapter three, verse fifteen. I write. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So there's, there's his reason, and again, kind of a summation of, of, just kind of sums up why he wrote the letter. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself. Now that's that's kind of what we'll be keying in on as we as we move through here, how to conduct ourselves because that's what Paul is communicating to Timothy. And even though he starts out in chapter one by saying to Timothy, it's obvious here that um, he intends for uh, not just Timothy to read the letter, but he but he intends for the church for for the uh, uh, people at large to uh, to read the letter, uh, and I think I think that'll be evident as we go too. <clears throat> so you you see that here in this verse, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself, how to how to act in the house of God. Now we we talked quite a bit about that. What's what is the house of God? What what is Paul talking about here when he says I write so that you may know how to conduct yourself? In the house of God, what's he talking about? What is the house of God? The people, the the, the church. Okay, the the. Uh, in other words, you could you, you could say it this way: the household of God. I write so that you uh, may know how you ought to conduct yourself, or, or just paraphrase it this way. Think in terms of your maybe maybe this is the way your your parent talked to you. <laughs> or my parent talked to me, uh, so that you may know how to act. 
And you could say, and you could say it this way. So you might know how to act in this family. I, I think I, I shared this before, but uh, Charlie Hughes, uh, he's one of, one of the Thursday morning crew that uh, I've had the privilege of <laughs> getting to know over the years. And I don't know how many times I've heard him tell the story, but when uh, when he was a young man, and he's the same age as my dad, so going back to the back to the forties. When he was a young man, he'll tell you he he's, he didn't he didn't drink and he didn't you know get into all that kind of stuff, uh, partying and all that. Uh, but he did like to fight, and and you know he just he just enjoyed it, I guess. And uh, anyway, his mother would take him aside, and his you know their last name was Hughes, and she would say, Hughes don't act like that. Well, that's that's what Paul is saying here. He's to, to the to the church, to the Christians. Here's how you're to act. Here's how you're to act in the household of God. In other words, if you wear the name of Christ, Paul is, is going to say here. This is how you're to act. This is why I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourself. And that's what Brother Charlie's mother was was trying to get across to him. Here's how you conduct yourself if you're a Hughes. Now. Uh, just a side note on that little story. He, when he met his wife, um, she told him she didn't go out with guys that his wife to be, and she told him she didn't go out with guys that fight. And uh, so he told me that was the end of his fighting. <laughs> he gave it up, and uh, and they were married 59 years when she passed away here not too long ago. All right, so that's what Paul is saying. I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourself as. A family, or in the family, in the household of God, which is... Now, see, he defines it for us. What is the house of God? Well, he tells us right here. Which is the church of the living God. So, I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the church. What is what is the church? We, we talked quite a bit about... That word too. We know it's not a building, right? It's 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 the people. But what does the word mean? The called out ones. William Tyndale, when he translated uh, the Bible into English um, in the 1500s, and he was uh, he was put to death for that. Um, but he translated this word. The Greek word is ekklesia. He, he translated it congregation and consistently. That's how he translated it. And that's, that's what it means. It's talking about us, those of us who have come together, the people of God, the congregation, the called out ones, the church of the living God. So Paul says, I'm, I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is... The congregation, the household of God is the congregation. Congregation. So Paul's saying, I want you to know how to conduct yourselves in the congregation of the living God. That's a genitive uh, phrase there. It's possessive. So, who, who does... Who does the church belong to? 
Who does the church belong to? Belongs to God. Amen. And one of the neat things about that here is because remember, like I said before, we uh, we took some time earlier on when we first started the study. We took some time to to look at you know the church, the church universal. There we're talking about everybody that's born again. In fact, when 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 I use the term in that sense, the church, meaning the body of Christ, uh, I'm talking about because I believe this this is what the scripture is talking about. Talking about Everybody that's been saved in, in, in all of past history, and then everybody that will be saved in the future. That's, that's the church, the universal church, the body of Christ. But here, um, like I said uh, more recently, what we're doing now is focusing more in on the local church. And that's what Paul's doing here because he's writing to a local pastor, Timothy, who is the pastor at Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. So we have the, the, uh, the letter of the Ephesians, or to the Ephesians, Brother Carl was preaching from this past Sunday. Uh, for a time, at least, for a period, Timothy was the, uh, the overseer there, the pastor there. And Paul's writing to Timothy at Ephesus. So he's talking to a local pastor in a local body. and calls them the congregation of the living God. So, that's what I was going to say a moment ago. What's neat about this is, the local congregation, even, can be referred to in that sense. It's owned by God Himself. The church belongs to God. When you look at the first few chapters in Revelation, and Jesus dictates letters to the seven churches of Asia, He deals with them himself. He doesn't go through a pope or, you know, body of cardinals or bishops. He, he, he just addresses the church himself to the angel of the church of Sardis or to the angel of the church of Laodicea. And traditionally it's been thought that uh, the term angel there is actually referring to the pastor of those churches. But... Uh, Christ deals with the church Himself. The church belongs to God. It's the congregation of the living God. So Paul says, I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God or the household of God, which is the congregation of the living God. The pillar and ground of the truth. So the church belongs to God. And the whole reason for the church's existence, and again, remember, we're still talking about the local body, not, not just the church as a whole, but every individual local body. The whole reason for the church's existence is to hold forth the truth, to glorify God by holding forth the truth. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So like a pillar and a foundation holds up a building, holds it forth, um, the church holds forth the truth. And that's what Paul is bringing out all the way through this letter, is how to live out the truth. How to, how to uh, and I think... Uh, 
Sunday morning, I think when, when Brother Carl preached, he, he, he kind of touched on that same kind of thing. It's, you realize they're in the book of Ephesians. Paul's wanting them to know who they are in Christ. And what Brother Carl was saying is, um, once you know who you are in Christ, what kind of what Paul is saying there is, act like that. You don't, you don't act a certain way to, to be in Christ. In other words, you don't earn your salvation. But because you are saved, you act a certain way. Walk worthy of the calling to which you are called. Well, similar here. And it's the same church. Paul's addressing them saying, I'm writing to you so that you may know how to conduct yourself, how to act, how to, how to act like the family of God, the congregation, the called out ones of the living God. And hold, how to hold forth the truth. So, you could probably kind of say it this way. How to, how to be the church. <laughs> how, to, how to let that manifest. We have to know what it is that we're supposed to do, what God wants us to do, how we're to act and so forth. And that's what the Holy Spirit is laying out here through the Apostle Paul. Now, chapter 1. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the, I'm gonna go ahead and read the first chapter. We, we won't, don't worry, we won't, we won't attempt to cover all that, but, uh, <laughs> but I wanna kinda of get the gist of the whole first chapter here and what he's honing in on. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, For the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers, murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful by putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus." 
This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy that in me first that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. All right. One reason I wanted to read all of that so we could kind of get the feel of what Paul is doing here. He is, he is jealous for the truth, for the gospel. He's jealous for the gospel. And so he's warning Timothy and the church there um, to, uh, well, to take care of those who teach against the truth, who teach false Doctrine. That's the instruction, that's the charge that he's given, giving to Timothy. That he's passing on to Timothy. It's a charge Timothy's going to have to actually give to other men. But he starts out, and this is one reason I think probably he, he intends for there to be other readers. Um, in his greeting, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God. That's pretty strong. That sounds a bit strong for Timothy, who knows Paul well, in other words, Timothy doesn't need to be convinced that Paul is an apostle appointed by God. Uh, and yet, Paul uses a strong language as if to address some who do need to hear this. Paul, speaking of himself, an apostle. The word just means one cent. Apostle of Jesus Christ, although in Paul's case you could think of it as a as apostle with a capital A. He's <laughs> he's he was chosen by the Lord Himself <coughs> to fulfill a special office. So uh, he's a he's apostle in a unique sense, as, as uh, one of the Lord's own hand selected apostles. An apostle of Jesus Christ. By the commandment of God. So you see, he's, he's, he's establishing his own authority here for the things that he's about to say. He's saying, I, I, I'm an apostle. By the commandment of God, as, as if to, to uh, make it clear that I didn't, I didn't raise myself up. I didn't appoint myself to this position. I'm here by God's will, by the commandment of God. Our Savior. That's interesting that he says that. And by the way, that's usually not the word you see in reference to God the Father. You usually see that attached to Jesus Christ. But here he says, I'm an apostle by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. Well, it certainly applies to, uh, to Jesus. And that's, that's again, that's, that's usually the one we connect this word with. But 
It was God, was it not, who chose us before the foundation of the world? God the Father. God who loved the world and gave His only begotten Son. He's our Savior. Without God the Father, there would be no salvation. Without Jesus, there would be no salvation. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no salvation. God, our Savior. And again, I, I think this is important too, for the direction He's going. He's, he's coming up against false doctrine. He's defending the truth, the gospel. He's jealous here for the truth of the gospel. And so already we're, we're seeing hints of it, even in His greeting. Hints of the gospel, the truth. God our Savior. Jesus Christ our hope. It's already starting to imply that there is no other way. There is no other hope. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he says, this is, this is the God who appointed me as an apostle. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, or literally child, a true child in faith. Grace, mercy, and peace. Another just kind of interesting note. Paul, Paul's greeting is usually grace and peace. But here in uh, one other place, I think, uh, I don't remember if it's, I think maybe Philippians, he uses the term mercy. Uh, I'd have, uh, one other time. But usually it's grace and peace. Grace and peace. Here, grace, mercy, and peace. Now, this is Paul's desire for the church. I mean, it's not, in other words, it's not just Paul saying, hello, or uh, greetings. It's not a meaningless way of greeting them. This, this is his desire for them. Grace, mercy, and peace. What he wants for the church. Grace, God's favor, mercy, we want God's mercy, His loving kindness, and the peace that comes with His grace and mercy. And usually when I, when I see the term peace, there, uh, I think uh, for the most part in the, in the context of the New Testament, it's, it, it has to do with a cessation of war, being at peace with God. But we also think of it uh, too as a form of tranquility, peace of mind. I would say both are, both are correct. and comes with the grace and mercy of God, comes His peace. And that's, that's what Paul wants for the church. God's favor, His mercy, His long-suffering, God's peace. He wants peace in the church. Peace in the congregation. This, Paul said, this, this is how you are to act. I'm writing so that you may know how to conduct yourself in the congregation of the living God. My desire for you, he says right up front, is God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace. From, he says, God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there again, there's not another source so he's he's again he's 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 
hitting, hinting at the gospel. There, there's no other source of grace, mercy, and peace. It comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Real quick here, let me just touch on this this uh, charge that he gives Timothy, and then we'll we'll have to pick up there next week. <clears throat> Verse three. As as I char- as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus. And by the way, uh, this this is one of those uh, uh, unfinished sentences here that uh, Paul does from time to <laughs> time to time. I I kind of harassed Leslie a lot for doing that because she just bit about. Spit about three or four sentences out real quick, but she didn't finish any of them, you know. So I don't, not sure what she's saying or where she's going. But she's in good company. This is what, like I say, the Apostle Paul. The, the, <laughs> the word "remain" there, at least it's the word "remain" in the New King James. Uh, the word "remain" or "continue" is it's an infinitive, so it's to remain. So he says, "As I urged you when I went into Macedonia." To remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some there, some that they teach no other doctrine. Uh, he goes on, but he never, he never, you know. As I urge you to remain in Ephesus, and you expect him to say, likewise, do this or so, whatever or whatever. But he doesn't ever, doesn't ever finish that thought. Uh, but it doesn't matter because he, uh, what, what he has to say is, <laughs> is what we need. It's good. I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Now, we're only into the third verse. Of course, it didn't have verses originally. So, uh, right off the bat, Paul is getting into defending the truth. Defending the truth. This is what the church is about. Truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. And so Paul tells this pastor at this local church, which is Timothy at Ephesus, says, Timothy, as I urged you when I left, when I went to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. In other words, there are some people teaching other doctrines, and Paul wants Timothy to put a stop to it. And the word charge there is strong. Uh, in other words, he's not telling Timothy to suggest it. He's telling him to command it. The New American Standard translates it in Instruct, but but like I say, it's not the idea of of, uh, uh, of teaching. It's 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 a commandment. Charge some, command some that they teach no other doctrine, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Now, godly edification. That is an example of how to conduct ourselves in the congregation, in the household of God. 
godly edification in faith. Paul is saying there are some who are not doing that, and he's calling on Timothy to stop them, charge them that they teach no other doctrine. That is, they've gotten sidetracked from the gospel, and what they're talking about is worthless, vain, empty, and it's consequently it's not edifying. So what what the church should be doing, rather, Paul says, rather than godly edification. So what the church should be engaged in is godly edification, which is in faith. Now the purpose of the commandment, verse five, and I'm going to stop with this one. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. That's what he's calling for. It's what the Holy Spirit's calling for here. Love. Love from a, a pure heart. Not, not uh, hypocritical, feigned love, but love from a, from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Godly edification which is in faith and love from sincere faith. And Paul says this is, this is the, the goal of this command. Now, the command sounds harsh, doesn't it? In verse 3, command some that they teach no other doctrine. It's the same word there, command. You charge, you command some. And then in verse 5 is the noun form. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love. So, he's talking about this charge that he has given Timothy. And he's handed it to him like, like the runners hand the baton. In other words, it's not, it's not... Well, in a sense, you could say, Paul is giving Timothy a charge, but that's, that's not how he's using the word here. It's not Paul charging Timothy. It's Paul saying, here... Take this charge and give it to those men who are teaching false doctrine. Charge them to stop. And the purpose of this charge, this commandment, is love. Is love. Because Paul's goal is edification. It's the building up of the body. Godly edification, which is in faith, and love from a pure heart and a good conscience from sincere faith. Well, that's just part. We've got a lot, lot more to go. But that's, that's, that's the beginning. Paul's saying here, here's how you are to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the congregation of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth. Alright, let's pray. We'll take it up next week, Lord willing. Father, we do thank You for Your truth. And we ask for Your wisdom and boldness in proclaiming it. Father, we look to You for understanding. Lord, we look to You for wisdom and enablement in getting our priorities right so that we may major on the majors and not the minors.
Lord, so that we may be committed to living for Your glory. Enable us to edify one another. Enable us to get the Gospel message out to those in need of salvation. Enable us to conduct ourselves just as You would have us to in a way that brings glory and honor to Your name. For Your glory. In Christ's name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.